0: Yo, this is after Rose of Guns Roses.
1: Hey, this is Carmen Alexa.
0: Hi, this is Girl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal double G. Hi, this is Don Salad. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's
1: up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey,
0: yo, yo, yo.
2: Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat.
1: You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat. is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat.
2: Download the podcast now.
1: You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Thank you.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How you doing on this Tuesday? I'm excited to be here. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, from five to six p.m. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Backwoods Barbecue, and Planet Fitness. This is episode 474. On this Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. On the show today, I've got Antoine Prather, a host of a podcast called Tailgate Talk Podcast. But first, I'm going to have my co-host Corey on for the Daily Dash, and we're going to recap this Monday night football game. Incredible win by the San Francisco 49ers over their hated rival, the Los Angeles Rams. The Atlanta Braves could not, Wrap up the division as they lose to the Marlins four to nothing. The Mets rained out. We got two more games to go. And I did watch another episode of that legacy documentary and my thoughts on the Lakers as we have NBA preseason going on right now. So let's go ahead and get started with the show. So on the show yesterday, I tried to wrap up as much sports as I could during the weekend, but I didn't cover all the college football games. I mean, you had Oklahoma lose, Ole Miss and Kentucky, that was such an exciting game. I think Oklahoma State is a dark horse to get to the college football playoff. Just a lot of great storylines, but the one storyline I do want to talk about is that UCLA upset Washington at the Rose Bowl on Friday night. Now, UCLA is 5-0. I mean, this is Chip Kelly's best start for the UCLA Bruins. They're 5-0. The big story is Dorian Thompson-Robinson is really leading the Bruins to a very special season as they actually will take on Utah next week, 3.30 at Fox. I really think College Game Day needed to be there. But once again, they could not fill the Rose Bowl. I guess the over and under on the fans attending the UCLA Bruins game At twenty thousand, well, they had forty thousand, but the stadium holds eighty-eight thousand. What is going on in California when you have a good product like the UCLA Bruins, who are five and zero? They're about to be ranked next week. Hopefully, they can get a new rankings. They're five and zero, and they are ranked eighteenth. And they can't get fans to watch them play football. This is an exciting football team that I think could be in the Pac-12 championship with USC. You got two great college football teams in Southern California and nobody is attending them. And I'm originally from California. Look, until you start attending games in California, I'm not going to mention Pac-12 teams. It's not worth my time. And I'm from California. I love college football. Cal, Stanford, San Jose State, Fresno State, I mean, they're all good. San Jose State's 3-1. and one. I mean, I would love to talk about San Jose State. Their only loss is to Auburn. So I just got a bone to pick with the UCLA fans. I know there's a lot of distractions in Southern California. The Dodgers have won 110 games. They wrapped up the number one seed. The Los Angeles Lakers are in the NBA preseason right now. You got the L.A. Keens. You got the L.A. Galaxy, L.A. CFC. I know, people don't have time for college football. And you also got the Rams. But nobody showed up for the Rams Super Bowl parade. So there. Monday Night Football, wasn't that a great game? From start to finish by the San Francisco 49ers. They have beaten the Los Angeles Rams seven straight times in the regular season. This was a game where the defense for the 49ers stepped up. They put pressure on Matthew Stafford all game, and if the Rams have a weakness, it's the offensive line. When Andrew Whitworth retired, they didn't do anything to fix that offensive line, and I believe the Rams are a one-hit wonder. They're not a Super Bowl team, because if you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. I mean, Cooper Cup is going to win games for the Rams. I thought he was going to have 20 catches. I seriously thought that he was going to be the only offensive weapon for the Rams, Allen Robinson was a complete no-show. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were getting all giddy about Odell Beckham joining the team in Week 10. Well, the Rams have to have a winning record and actually make the playoff hunt in order for Odell Beckham Jr. to come back to this team. I don't think they're a playoff team. I mean, they are bad. Matthew Stafford was sacked seven times. They could not get the run game going. They only averaged three yards a carry. My thing was, if it wasn't for the pick six by Talona Hufunga, who's becoming a star for the 49ers, he had a pick six to ice the game to put the Niners up 24 to 9. It was 17 to 9. I kept saying, put this team away. I thought that Kyle Shanahan was a little bit conservative. He had a first and goal at the one, and he decided to go for the field goal. Robbie Gould missed a 42-yard field goal. That field goal would have put them up 20-9. to I started getting nervous when it was just 17-9 in the fourth quarter because I thought that the Rams were good enough to make that comeback. And Cooper Cup had 14 receptions, and he was their offense. Aaron Donald was in the backfield just about every time. I was hoping the Niners would just avoid him. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get sacked, but that just means Aaron Donald's stepping up. Bobby Wagner had a couple of plays. Jalen Ramsey was a no-show. I mean, how can you let Debo Samuel have 100 yards receiving? I thought Jalen Ramsey was this great lockdown corner. It did help my fantasy team, but I did lose. I know. I had the 49ers defense, and I had Debo Samuel. I was actually watching with uh, anticipated eyes for my fantasy team that pretty much tanked it this week. And I'm 2-2. they tanked it because I started Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson didn't give me any fantasy points. And even though Tyler Algier gave me some fantasy points, Debo Samuel gave me some fantasy points, I just did not get a whole lot from Kyle Pitts, and I didn't get a whole lot from Travis Etienne. So I'm hurting. So I'm 2-2. Two now, that's what fantasy football is for me. You know, I make adjustments, I win one week and then the next week I lose. That's not going to get you into the playoffs when it comes to fantasy football. I'm happy that the 49ers won, the 49ers are 2 and 2. They will travel up to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. They should win that game. And then they'll probably stay on the East Coast and they will take on the Atlanta Falcons in 2 weeks. I think they should win that game, but if the Falcons are good, I think the Falcons should win that game because they're playing at home. But the Falcons are going to be without Cordell Patterson for about a month as he goes on IR, which means you're going to see a heavy dose of Tyler Algier and Caleb Hunley. So the Atlanta Falcons are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday, and it is the right to be in first place in the NFC South. Let's talk about the Braves a little bit. They did lose to the Miami Marlins four to nothing. Bryce Elder took the loss. The Mets were in a rainout. The magic number is still one to clinch. All they got to do is win one game and they will clinch the NL East for the fifth straight time. Major League Baseball playoffs will start this Friday. I love those quadruple headers where you got baseball that starts at one, And uh, I'm excited to have Antoine Prather on the show because uh, he works directly with LaGrange College. It's their homecoming. They're taking on Maryville at Tennessee at Callaway Stadium this Saturday. Kickoff at 1 p.m. And you can listen to the game on Panthers Live. Just go to the LaGrange Panthers school website, the athletic department. And just click on the little live stream and Bill Bailey does the play-by-play, does a phenomenal job, not only for the LaGrange Panthers, but the Smith Station Panthers as well. All right, so I am going to talk a little bit about this Lakers documentary. I'm fascinated by it. I watched episode nine. It looks like they're going to have 10 episodes. The 10th episode is going to be probably the hardest one to watch, because looking at the timeline, I'm not trying to spoil the documentary, but they're going to have 10 episodes, the 10th episode is going to talk about requiring LeBron winning the championship in the bubble, but unfortunately they're going to have to talk about Kobe's death. That is going to be the hardest episode that I'm going to end up watching because it really hurt, you know, watching episode nine and they talked about Kobe getting 60 in his final game. uh, That was just such an amazing accomplishment by Kobe. And he really went out on his terms and but the Lakers had so much turmoil, especially with the Bus children after Dr. Bus passed away in 2013, and uh, they just went through a revolving door of coaches. They had Mike Brown, Mike D'Antoni, Byron Scott, Luke Walton, and now Darvin Ham. You know Frank Vogel did win a championship with the Lakers. In fact, in fact, it was the first championship by the Lakers not by a coach named Phil Jackson or Pat Riley in the last 40 years. So that's something to think about. That Frank Vogel did win a championship in the bubble, even though I still don't count that championship. I mean, that was completely unfair to have LeBron and AD with four months off. They just bulldozed through everybody inside the bubble. But I'm interested to see episode 10. I just got to prepare myself for... Uh, Kobe's death that is going to be very hard to watch and it's going to be emotional it it's going to be one of those episodes where you're going to have to break out the tissues alright NBA preseason who here is excited about the Hawks I wish I could get Rodney Pierre-Paul on the show you know he was one of my first guests and he is a huge Atlanta Hawks fan I mean I know Justin Dale's going to be on the show tomorrow we could talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks he's a Hawks fan I'm a Hawks fan. I went to my first Hawks game in 2006, back when they had Josh Smith, Joe Johnson. They didn't quite have Al Horford yet. He didn't get there until 2007. The Hawks were building something special. They had that core of Al Horford, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, and Marvin Williams. I know that he wasn't a complete bust. There was one year he averaged 14 points a game. You just think he's a bust because they picked him. Ahead of Chris Paul. And Chris Paul wanted to come to Atlanta. But the Atlanta Hawks had a great run for a decade where they made the playoffs from 2008 to 2017. And they looked good doing it. Now, this year, I really like their starting five. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray in the backcourt. DeAndre Hunter, he's going to be the X Factor. I think he's going to be that two way player that could surprise some people. John Collins is your third option. Yes, please sign me up for that. And then you got Clint Capella. And then on the bench you can have Anyeka Kongru, and then you could get Mo Harkless. You can get Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. You know, they could probably develop. And I know that the biggest question mark for the Atlanta Hawks is can Nick McMillan actually develop young players and young rookies? Because you do have AJ Griffin. That is the rookie. And I'm wondering how much playing time he's going to get. But I'm excited about the Atlanta Hawks season. I'm going to say they're going to be a fourth seed. If you look at the East. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. The Boston Celtics. I think that Brooklyn. If they have a healthy Kyrie and KD. And Ben Simmons comes back for a full season. I think that Brooklyn can be a good team. The Sixers with Joel Embiid and James Harden. That's four teams right there. So I mean. How can the Hawks try to get that fourth seed? If they do, you're going to have a very tough fifth seed. The East is stacked. I've said on this show before, I believe the Eastern Conference is a lot stronger than the Western Conference. Hey, the NHL starts October the 11th. And I know the past couple of years on this podcast, I have not talked about the NHL because we don't have an NHL team in Atlanta. Well, I actually was scrolling through my phone and I saw that former NHL player Anson Carter... Wants to bring an NHL team to Atlanta. Well, good luck with that one because the Thrashers left in 2011. The Atlanta Flames left in 1980. The Atlanta market had two NHL teams and they could not hang on to them. It was a very dark day in Atlanta history when the Spirit Group sold the team to True North Sports. And once that happened and they moved the team to Winnipeg, I was completely stunned because I thought that Thrashers actually had a decent team if if they had health. I mean, because I liked the young players of Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian. I really liked Andrew Ladd. I liked Dustin Bufflin. I really didn't want them to trade away Ilya Kovalchuk. I thought that Ilya Kovalchuk was the greatest Atlanta Thrasher ever. And then they also had Marion Hossa, who went on to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. The Atlanta Thrashers actually were a very excited team. I went to several games. I saw them at Phillips Arena when they played the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I got to see Sidney Crosby. And I never got to see the Atlanta Thrashers play the San Jose Sharks. You know, because one is in the Western Conference and one's in the Eastern Conference. They don't play each other every year in the same home ice. Sometimes they alternate every two years. So I'm here to tell you that I do miss the Thrashers. I miss them a lot. If we had an NHL team to root for, maybe the Nashville Predators, maybe the Carolina Hurricanes, possibly the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it's the Colorado Avalanches Stanley Cup to defend this year. And I'm looking forward to the NHL season. I love hockey. I'll talk River Dragons hockey on this podcast as much as possible. Hoping to get some River Dragons on as well. Well, we have had a jam-packed show so far. I love doing this show. Uh, Don't forget that I'm going to have Corey Bank on for the Daily Dash. In a few, we are going to recap that Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. And then I'm going to continue having Corey Bank on for the Daily Dash. On Wednesdays, we make college football picks. Thursday, we're going to make NFL picks. And then, of course, the Friday show is the high school football preview review show. For week eight. And now it's that time on the show where you voted for it on Twitter. I give you the Sports Beats High School Game of the Week for week eight. It is Brookstone versus St. Ampicelli at Mac Strong Stadium. It is the battle for the Brucelli Jug. St. Ampicelli is five and one on the season. Brookstone is three and two. It is always a great matchup when these two teams play. St. Ampicelli beat Brookstone last year to take the Brucelli jug back home to Dymel Field. And now it's going to be at Max Strong Stadium, which is going to be unbelievable. One matchup that I love about this you got two talented play-by-play announcers Dave Plata for St. Ampicelli versus Scott Miller for Brookstone. I kind of wish that they could just call the game together. That would be awesome. You remember that movie, Basketball, when Al Michaels and Bob Costas were calling the games together? Yeah, kind of like that. All right, I think it's time to bring Corey, my broadcast partner and co-host, on the show for The Daily Dash. You don't want to miss it. We will be right back with Corey. Welcome back to The Daily Dash. I've got my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank on the show, we are going to recap that Monday Night Football game last night between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. The 49ers get the victory in the NFC Championship rematch. Corey, how are you doing?
2: Doing fantastic, Richard.
0: It has been a fantastic night. You know I'm a 49ers fan. You know any time they could beat their hated rival, the Rams. It is personal. That was a dominant performance by the 49ers defense. Kept the Rams out of the end zone. And just an incredible performance. And, Corey, here's all the defensive players that were out for the 49ers. This is what tells you how good that defense is. Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, Aishiz Al Shire, Jason Verrett, Jimmy Ward. That's five starters that were out for the 49ers defense. And yet, they still put up that type of performance against the defending Super Bowl champions that's incredible
2: when you have five starters every one of them being dynamic like that that doesn't happen every day Richard
0: and, and I know that Cooper Cup did get his catches you know Corey I actually thought Cooper Cup was going to get like 20 catches because Matthew Stafford threw to his security blanket Aaron Donald actually wreaked havoc in the backfield Jimmy Garoppolo was not sacked once I was completely shocked because they were without their left tackle, Trent Williams and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he was under duress a little bit. Aaron Donald, you got two special players for the Rams, Aaron Donald and Cooper cup, but that's about it. I kind of feel correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, I'm starting to feel like the Rams are not the same team. They were that won the Super Bowl last year. Their offensive line is in shambles. When Andrew Whitworth retired, They did not do anything to fix that offensive line, and that was the difference in the game.
2: It sure is, because Andrew Whitworth last year was the anchor of the offensive line, and he was their stalwart at that position on the offensive line. But in this game, Richard, I mean, the Rams, they were led by their quarterback, Matt Stafford. He did go 32-48 of for 254, and he threw an interception, but The Rams in this game, the rushing attack, were led by running back Daryl Henderson. And here's the stat in this game, Richard. That defensive line on the 49ers wreaked havoc in the backfield so much that they only allowed seven carries for 27 yards. Wow. What can I say about those linebackers stepping up? What can I say about the defensive line, Bosa really getting it done in there, wreaking havoc in the backfield and being consistent. But the leading pass catcher in the game was dynamic star Cooper Cup, who had 14 catches. I mean, that's a lot of catches in the game for 122 yards. So that's not really a great yards per catch average. So you know who did a great job? The Niners' secondary did, by now allowing him to get around 10 yards of catch. He was under that mark, and that was crucial. But the defender standout on the Rams' defense was linebacker Bobby Wagner. He's going to be an All-Pro this year, probably again this year. But the guy on that side of the ball, he's had a Hall of Fame career indeed. But your victorious 49ers were led by quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. He went 16-27 for 239, the touchdown. Definitely a kind of day where Jimmy G was managing that offense. A game manager indeed. Their leading rusher in the game, Jeffrey Wilson, he did a decent job rushing the Rock in the game. 18 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. But the standout pass catcher of the game was your dynamic, explosive playmaker Debo Samuel, who had six catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Looking for Debo to have so far this year. He hasn't really had a game where he had a standout game like this. And this is the game that he needed to have. When they um, got a guy like this, because he is your Swiss Army knife-like player, when you can line up in the slot and go do end-arounds when you put him at the running acquisition, running between the tackles, and when you get him on the outside and you're able to throw the ball to him, the guy is a physical specimen on that side. But the defensive side of the ball was a guy. He stepped up with those five guys being injured. A guy who really did was your outside linebacker, Dre Greenlaw. In my mind, This is who I'm giving the player of the game honors to. He was absolutely stout, incredible, roaming sideline to sideline in coverage and filling those gaps so that the likes of running back Daryl Henderson could not rush that football. In regards to Dre Grinlaw, he had 12 tackles in the game, Richard, and you have to be proud of that performance.
0: He is the player of the game in my mind. Absolutely. 49ers get the win 24 nine over the Los Angeles Rams. Both teams are two and two. The Rams will take on the Dallas Cowboys next week. The 49ers will travel up to Charlotte, North Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. And then in two weeks, get ready for the Kyle Shanahan bowl, the 49ers and the Falcons. I believe the 49ers are going to stay on the East coast and they will reach Atlanta for the first time since 2016. I'm excited about that game. I'm going to have Justin Dale on the show. We're going to preview that. He is a lifelong Atlanta Falcons fan. I'm a lifelong 49ers fan. There's going to be some bad blood in that interview, I'm telling you. But I'm dubbing that the Kyle Shanahan Bull. Uh, I think this defense for the 49ers can only get better. Everybody will remember the name Talona Hufunga. With that pick six that sealed the deal for the 49ers. It was a really close game, Corey. I actually thought that the 49ers could not put the Rams away, and I thought down 17-9, to I thought that Matthew Stafford was going to lead the Rams back, but it was just too much defense, and they kept him out of the end zone, and what a great win for the 49ers.
2: Euphonga, I'm going to tell you a guy that I see so many similarities from in the way he plays, the way they have him blitzed, Coming off the ball, the way he is so physical as a defensive back, he reminds me of Troy Palamalu.
0: Yes. Oh, Corey, I absolutely agree with you. That's a great comparison. Absolutely, Richard. All right. Well, let's switch gears. They're going to have a special announcement tonight. Uh, And it's basically the Savannah Bananas World Tour for 2023. Last year, they were in Columbus at Historic Golden Park. Uh, Not an empty seat in the crowd. A great night, a great success. I want to try to get tickets. I tried to get tickets last year, but they're going to announce their world tour. Fingers crossed they come back to Columbus. Uh, Have you heard of the Savannah Bananas and Banana Ball, Corey? The Savannah Bananas are pretty much
2: baseball's Harlem Globetrotters. I've seen the way they really conduct it. Very entertaining with their antics on the baseball field.
0: Like some of the antics they do is they have the pitcher with the stilts. You know, they play um, the party animals. Uh, the party animals uh, player comes up to bat with his baseball bat on fire. The ball is just so quick. And, you know, if a fan catches it in the stands, it's an out. It's just incredible. I watched it on ESPN Plus when. They came to Columbus back in April. I expect Columbus to be one of the host cities. I I actually am going to try to get tickets this time. I cannot wait for that announcement. It's going to be today, later this afternoon. So looking forward to it. Corey, as always, thank you so much just for being on for the Daily Dash. Uh, I will catch you tomorrow as we're going to make our college football picks. I know that I'm excited about that segment of the Daily Dash tomorrow.
2: Absolutely, Richard. It's always a great time calling these picks with you and recap sports. It's a passion of mine always. Thank you for having me on again.
0: All right. That was my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, for the Daily Dash. And... Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Antoine Prather, host of a podcast called Tailgate Talk Podcast. We are going to talk everything Troop County, LaGrange, sports-related. You don't want to miss it. We'll be back. Welcome back to the show. And on the show today, I've got Antoine Prather. He is a host of a podcast called Tailgate Talk Podcast. He covers everything Troop County-related And Antoine, times have been really good for all the high schools in Troop County. What's going on with you today?
1: Things are going good. Things are going good, Richard. Good to be back on.
0: Absolutely. Glad to have you back on. Let's start with the number one team in the region. They're number one on my top ten list, the Troop County Tigers, 6-0. I actually was in attendance at Callaway Stadium on Thursday night. They had a rare 5 o'clock kickoff time, and – Troop County was able to get the victory over North Clayton, 63 to nothing. Antoine, all I saw in that game was complete dominance. Teo Todd looked just as good as advertised. I heard that he is just a dynamic player, but he's also a great passer with the football. Uh, what is your impressions of Troop County so far being 6-0 and and now in the driver's seat in their region when it comes state playoff time?
1: I feel, I mean, they've they definitely set themselves up, uh, you know, looking as the so far thus far in the season as the region favorites to take this region. Now this is a tough region here. I mean, you got five, six teams vying for four spots and with troops starting out the year beating Whitewater then coming back. I mean stars mills to start off their region schedule. I mean right now, I mean you feel like they have routine to beat in this region.
0: And I think that the team that could stand in their way is the Lions of Trinity Christian out of Sharpsburg. In fact, Troop County will take them on the second to last game of the season, October the 28th at Callaway Stadium. That is going to be a massive game between the Trinity Christian Lions and the Troop County Tigers. Looking at the remaining of their schedule, they're 6-0. They play Riverdale this Friday. They go to Fayetteville to take on Fayette County. These are considered what you would consider the bottom of the region Trinity Christian is still undefeated in the region. Even though they're 4-2, and two, that is going to be a tough matchup for the Troop County Tigers. And then the finale, anything can happen in a crosstown rivalry game. They take on LaGrange on Friday, November the 4th. I mean, so, yes, Troop County is the favorite. But when you look at a player like Todd, he's only a junior. He's only going to get better. What is the ceiling for Teotan?
1: I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's been doing this since his freshman year, um, I mean, and you've seen the progression year after year, you know, from the time he was a freshman. I mean, he's been a dynamic runner, and now you've seen him in his junior year being able to put it together through the air um, on a consistent basis. So, I mean, he's he's definitely a guy who can do it all, do it on the ground, and also be able to do it on the air. And I think that's as Teo Todd goes, that's how, that's how the Troop Tigers go. And so you've been able to see them be very, very dominant thus far this season
0: now let's talk about LaGrange because I know that they're under the shadow of Troop County four and two on the season and they have an impressive four and two record after they started three and oh. they're one and two in region play but those two losses they had two very close games a one point loss to Stars Mill when Stars Mill decided to go for it For a two point conversion in overtime. And then they lose to Whitewater on the road 29 to 21. But they did bounce back last Thursday night and got the win over Riverdale 28 to 14. Antoine, that was a very unusual circumstance at Callaway Stadium. We had a doubleheader with a five o'clock kickoff for Troop County. And I was in attendance for that game, you know, because I just got off work. And the Troop County fans were on the visitor side of the bleachers. And then the LaGrange side was completely blocked off. And that was like the quickest high school football game I've ever been to. It, it lasted an hour and a half. It ended at 630. LaGrange kicked things off at 8 o'clock. But, you know, because of the circumstances of Hurricane Ian, they wanted to move all the games to Thursday because they weren't sure about the weather on Friday. But what was your impression just about an incredible night in LaGrange having two high schools that were uh, taking on region opponents with Lagrange beating Riverdale twenty-eight to fourteen and winning their first game in region play,
1: yeah, it was it was quite a unique situation there. I mean, as you stated, I mean you had the troop game going on beforehand, but on the other sideline, you had all the Lagrange stuff up because it was a supposed to be a Lagrange home game to follow uh, with troop moving their game till Thursday from Friday. So, I mean, yeah, very very unique uh, situation there at Callaway Stadium. Um, something we don't see often here with the 5 o'clock start and also that 8 o'clock start for LaGrange. But as far as the game, I mean, an impressive game for LaGrange. You know, you know they were 0-2 going into that game against Riverdale, so you they kind of had their bats against the wall, and they responded with a big 28-14 win over Riverdale. So good job by the Grangers on
0: Thursday night. And they take on North Clayton at Callaway Stadium this Friday night on the 21st of friday they'll have a bye as they prepare for trinity christian that is going to be a very tough game for lagrange and then they end the season taking on fayette county and then troop county and i think antoine that could determine lagrange's playoff fate because you like you said only the top four teams are getting into the playoffs if you look at the standings right now you got trinity christian three and 0 troop county three 0 whitewater is two and one Riverdale is two and two, but although I think Stars Mill is going to try to push their way back into the playoffs, they're one and two along with LaGrange. That could be a very huge tiebreaker. LaGrange knows from this point on it's must win in every single game, and that game against Trinity Christian could be huge. It could determine whether or not the Grangers make it into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely right, Richard. I mean, it is must win the rest of the way for them, you know. They want to get one of those top four spots to clinch their way into the state playoffs, so it will be a challenge for them. I mean, anytime you got to play the defending state champion on the road in their home field, and they do a good job of having a good environment up there in Sharpsburg, so I mean, it'll be a challenge for them. But um, I'm sure the Grangers will be up for the challenge, knowing that their playoff hopes lie in that lie in that game against Trinity Christian.
0: I had the privilege of seeing LaGrange early on this season when they took on Smith Station. I was calling the LaGrange-Smith Station game. I was very impressed with their running tandem of Malachi Finning-Render and Tucker. Just an incredible dynamic duo. And then Magic Johnson. I mean, this guy's a playmaker. And, you know, Jalen Brown has got weapons all over the place. I was very impressed with the Grangers. Uh, but what has impressed you so far And can LaGrange get back to their glory days from the early 2000s when they were winning state championships and and uh, competing at the state level just about every year in the early 2000s?
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's something Coach Matt Napier is definitely trying to, you know, rekindle there as far as the Granger Nation. Um, you know, speaking of the, the talent they guys have on offense, talking about A.J. Tucker, uh, unfortunately Malachi Render – he is out for the season with a collarbone injury, but you talk about Magic Johnson. You know he's he's a one play and he's a one play away from touching the end zone every time he gets his hands on the ball. And so Jalen Brown is is fortunate to have weapons around. him. only thing he has to do is just get the ball into the playmaker's hands. But you know the Grangers are focused on this year and you know doing what they can doing what they can do to control their playoff fate. So you know this. From this point on, I know they'll be ultra-focused and trying to be able to clinch one of those top four playoff spots.
0: All right, Antoine, let's go ahead and talk about the Callaway Cavaliers because I admit I kind of written them off when they started 0-3, but right now they have rattled off three straight wins, including a victory at the Pulpwood Classic against Hurd County. They're 2-0 and in their region, and last Thursday night they went to Decatur And they knocked off one of the top teams in 2A. They knocked off Columbia 32-12. to And Callaway is back where they started. And they are ready to make a run in the state playoffs for 2A. And despite having that 0-3 record, they played some amazing teams. Opelika, who actually knocked off the number one team in Alabama, Central, they lost to him 29 to 28, all because Roman Gagliano threw a two point conversion to tag A. Cedartown, they were in the 4A state playoffs. Remember, this is the same school that Nick Chubb went to, and uh, they lost to Carver last year 22 to 21. I mean, they lost 47 to 7, but that was a very tough game. And then Troop County is just playing on another level. So Callaway losing to Troop County 23 to 14. It's really saying a lot about Callaway's. They are willing to schedule whoever, whenever, it doesn't matter the opponent. And I think that head coach Pete Wiggins has got this team firing on all cylinders because they have won three straight games. And then Antoine, I'm looking at their schedule. Towers at home on the 14th. Oh boy. Get ready for Ekla coming to Callaway Stadium October 21st. And then their final two games against McNair and Landmark Christian. Callaway is undefeated right now in the region. Where can they go from here? Like, how can Callaway get back to making a run in the state playoffs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of what you said about, you know, that slow start going 0-3, but the level of competition they played, uh, speaking of those three three losses, combined those three teams only have three losses. You see what I mean? So, oh yeah, they definitely, they started the season, you know, with some tough competition, but as they got into – Region play, they've kind of gotten their footing and they had a big win on the road against Columbia last week. And honestly, I think they are what we thought they would be—you know, competing for another region championship. Ultimately, we all see the see the game on October the twenty-first against Elka. They get them at home, and they don't lose too many games over there at Callaway Stadium. So I know it would be a a raucous environment and a matchup of two of the best teams in two ways. So. I can't wait, and I'm anticipating that matchup for what would be the region championship.
0: All right, Antoine, let's switch gears and talk about NCAA Division three college football because we got a team that plays their games at Callaway Stadium on Saturday afternoons. The LaGrange Panthers. Now, you are involved with the Panthers. They did lose to North Carolina Wesley in 37-22, but they are 1-4 and four on the season. They got their first victory over Farham and – They got homecoming this uh, Saturday. I know you're excited about that, but you work with the LaGrange Panthers. Uh, What has impressed you the most about LaGrange just staying in games and improving every single game? I think that Shedrick Lindsey has done a good job at quarterback. You got Christian Wayman and Aubrey Carter in the ground game. They've got some good players. I mean, what are the expectations for the LaGrange Panthers going into conference play?
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, head coach Earl Chambers, just having a conversation with him today, last week's game, which got moved because of the weather of Hurricane Ian, and they played on Friday trying to to avoid some weather against North Carolina Wasteland, and they played in a, a downpour the whole game. So, I mean, it was a tough, tough environment as far as just dealing with rain and the weather. I mean, they came up a little short, losing 37-22. But, I mean, the running game has been the strength of the team offensively all year long with the three-headed monster of Christian Wayman, Aubrey Carter, and also Jadon Cooper. I mean, those three, I mean, on any given day can go for over 100 yards. And in last week's game, it was Christian Wayman's turn, and he had 120 yards on the day. So, I mean, the Panthers have a big week this week. It is homecoming week, and they'll play – Rival Maryville, which anytime any sport you play against the Maryville Scots, it's always, it's always a competition. It's always going to be a tough battle, so it's going to be a good crowd over there for homecoming, and I expect nothing, nothing else but a Panther victory on Saturday.
0: And I remember Maryville, Tennessee, they had a big rivalry with them during the baseball season, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching the Lagrange uh, Panthers on uh, Panthers Live as a uh, bill Bailey does the play-by-play and like, if you can't make it out to the game, I know that, you know, Saturday afternoon, if you're not in the LaGrange area, I mean, it's, it's hard to get it to, but you know, you know, we expect to have a good showing at Callaway stadium. And I just had the privilege of actually seeing the LaGrange Panthers at a scrimmage. They were taking on Birmingham Southern. And uh, I got to tell you they they look like an exciting product of football. And I'm sure that atmosphere that game day atmosphere at Callaway stadium is, is gotta be something special, especially for the community of LaGrange.
1: It is. It is. And like I said, it's coach chambers and his staff. They're still dealing with a a young group here. Um, Had a lot of freshmen last year that took their bumps and bruises, but this year, you know, you can see the progressions along the offense and defensive side of balls. And there, there are a couple plays here in each one of these games of having some of those losses turn into victory. So they're on a the cusp of something special here, and they're just trying to get over that hump and uh, get, a, get a victory. And I look forward to seeing them put on the show when they play Mariville on Saturday.
0: You're involved in LaGrange athletics. I really – I love basketball. I'm a huge basketball fan. I wanted to try to go out to Mariotti Gymnasium to see the LaGrange Panthers in action. And they have an incredible schedule. I think, I think this is an exhibition game. November 3rd, they play Mercer. Mm -hmm. and then they play Kennesaw State I mean I think that is a true game it's not considered an exhibition but you're you're involved with LaGrange what is that game day atmosphere at Marriott Gymnasium when the when the Panthers are are in action and the lady and the lady Panthers for that matter too
1: yeah so I'm not sure if you've ever been to a game over at Marriott but it is a it is one of those smaller gyms and when you when you get the students in there and you get it packed in there, it can truly be a, a home court advantage. And it gets loud and it can be a little a little raucous in there. So it's a very good environment when you talk about small college division three basketball and coach Kendall Wallace on the men's side and coach Jason Jones is on the women's side. They do a great job and expectations for the both of them will be high heading into their basketball season. They start practice on October the fifteenth. So they're they're both just kind of anticipating getting practice going and uh, getting ready for this upcoming season.
0: Now, I remember they had an outstanding player last year. He was a 6'5 forward from Dallas, Kyle Brown. Do you remember that player?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kyle Brown, he was a uh, Mr. Do-It-All for for Coach Wallace and his team last year, you know, he, from rebounding to scoring, and he, he led his team in multiple ways last year for the Panthers as they were co divisional champs last year in the USA South
0: exactly uh, unfortunately you know they did get the win against Maryville uh 65 to 62 but they did lose in double overtime to Averett on uh pretty much a, a second overtime 81 to 77 um I'm really uh, with me working up in Lagrange I think it's awesome that you are uh, involved with Lagrange Panther Athletics. I mean, they have an incredible baseball team that that made history, the furthest they've ever gone, going to the D three College World Series. Just an incredible season, and then now you got the football team going really strong this season. That they're one and four, and then I can't wait for basketball season. But uh, also. I know you cover sports in Troop County, a big shout out to point university getting their first win of the season. Congratulations to coach Ziders and the point university Skyhawks. They pick up their first win of the season. So uh, a lot of good things happen in troop County when it comes to athletics.
1: That is absolutely right. I want to just give a quick shout out to the LaGrange men's soccer team for uh, a big week, a big win. They had this past weekend on Saturday. They, uh, they were able to get a big win against conference foe Covenant, which was the first time in school history that they've been able to beat Covenant. And Covenant, as a, if you know anything about Division three soccer, perennial power. They're the defending conference champs of last year. So that was a big win for Coach Ron Dixon and his squad and getting that win against Covenant on Saturday.
0: That is awesome. They won at Panther Field three to two. LaGrange college Panthers does have a Columbus rapid Adam Anderson. So a big shout out to Adam Anderson playing on an amateur contract for the Columbus Rapids. Hopefully he'll be back this season. Of course, point university has got the trio of Columbus Rapids, Brandon Cervantes, Ethan Allure and Thomas Eskew. Hopefully uh, it is official. Brandon Cervantes is coming back to the Columbus Rapids. So yeah, a big shout out to the LaGrange Panthers and, uh, Keep doing what you're doing, Antoine. I think you're doing uh, just amazing things with uh, all the teams in Troop County. And definitely would love to have you back on And as uh, we get closer to the playoffs so we could talk uh, all things Troop County athletics.
1: Well, thank you again, Richard, for having me on. And it's always uh, a special time whenever I can come and join the show.
0: All right. That was Antoine Prather. He is a host of a podcast called Tailgate Talk Podcast. Thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to another episode of this podcast. We're found on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we're out of here. Bye, everybody. You've been
2: listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe.